This is Lauren. This is Trey. And this is the Partnership Podcast. Hello, friends. This week, Lauren and I are talking about the value of asking questions and the curiosity that it entails. We hope you enjoy. Later, so that's why I Great. went ahead and got Pretty dressed. day. Yeah. 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 But you know, sometimes I show up in my scrubs. Mm-hmm. Good morning, babe. Good morning, baby. Thanks for your patience last week. We didn't record. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. It was like, it's it's a nice relief, though. Yeah, it was just a very busy week, yeah. and yeah, thanks. I know it's not the the like ideal scenario, but I was really thankful to have one less thing on my plate. What's going on with you? What's going on with you? We had a really fun um, weekend. We got to go to a party together, a gala, and that, that like like fed my soul, I think. I don't know if we've had something where we've gotten to play that hard and we even said this going over that someone else put it together like we were not in charge of the entertainment like we were going to be entertained that was really fun we got to dance to live music we've both been on both sides we've been on both sides of that where it's like we we run operations and we run parties and we know what it takes the the pre-planning and then during and then the post and you're you're hustling and then we know what it's like to go to a party and then leave it was, it was a blast. It was a blast. You even said that going over. You were like, what are you most looking forward to? And I said, not being in charge. Mm. Yeah. And it was, it was just so much fun. It was so fun to dance with you. You know, it's interesting. When we came into relationship, I already had a kiddo. We were already pretty established in life. We didn't have like a going clubbing phase or like a going out. We didn't do that type of stuff. So it's neat now when we get to do that type of thing kind of like footloose, fancy free play and that I have so much fun with you. It is wild when we're out past 10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't leave the event till 1050 or something. And I thought, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. We're usually in bed. Like 830. We've fallen asleep to Project Runway. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. That's bringing us all kinds of joy. Okay. So the thing I really, I would love to talk with you about today is something the best friend and I got talking about yesterday is this concept of, and we even came down in the basement and talked to you a little bit about it too. At some point in your experience, that's so horrifying. Sorry. And that's going to be on camera. <laughs> Are you okay? Do you okay? I'm going to go back. Best friend and I were chatting yesterday about this concept of self-awareness. And at what stage in someone's developmental journey do they like, decide that it's for them like to become more self-aware and I wanted to hear about your personal experience of it because she and I were talking about how in the church corporate where we grew up in it was like a superimposed outside in like you needed to be selfless because Jesus was selfless this is where I'm going with this question because I find your process fascinating I don't even understand it actually I don't understand where the internal motivation comes from Mm -hmm. because what I can see really clearly is people on whom self-awareness, kindness, the ability to ask questions was superimposed by the system they were raised in. And then folks who never really raised, never really developed it, the ability to ask questions, the ability to sit with somebody else, inquire about them. I, I shouldn't say that. I do see some folks who have developed self-awareness, particularly people in male bodies is what I'm talking about. But it came much later in life, like really much later in life than, yeah, 
Melissa, I'm just curious how you went about this when it became obvious to you that it was a necessary skill. And then I want to talk about how it can look different in different people. Because I think women get pushback, people in female bodies and hetero relationships, like, well, you just, I'll never be good enough for you, right? I'll never be perfect. And I don't think that's what female-bodied people are asking for. I think they're just asking for like a little bit of self-awareness. Does my question make any sense to you? You have such a puzzled look. No, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Where did it come about? The, like, my self-awareness? Your journey into it. I know oh. you're not going to, like, humble brag on mm-hmm. yourself. Let So let's talk about maybe the failures or why you realize that maybe because you ask such good questions of me. You you just do. That's what this podcast is, is us asking questions of one another. It's one of my favorite things I fell in love with. But you've said before that it's not something you always were equipped with. The journey into it... Uh like two two big milestones. One was uh, there was a mentor that recommended how to win friends and influence people in my like early to mid twenties, and then I read that, and then I started applying it, and then I reread it, hmm. and I saw kind of the magic on just incorporating these philosophies into how to communicate with other people, and I saw um, I saw it work in real time. And when it works in real time, I think that's when people buy in. Um, so that was a, that was the bit, that's the most important book I've ever read because it took me down the road to like being more self-actualized. Mm. And the biggest lesson that I took away from that book that I, I try to implore to, you know, our, our child is, we live in a world where everybody's thinking about themselves. Yeah. So the person that comes along and says, how can I provide value? How can I, how can I make this easier for you or make your life easier while actually uh, getting what I want? Mm. I, I, it's probably like part of the 1% mm. of people who approach it that way. So mm-hmm. that was a big... That, that book really kind of opened the floodgates to going down this path of, as you call it, self-actualization. Yeah. And then as far as the relationship work, it was uh, the 3% ma- male by Corey Wayne. Mm-hmm. And that happened. It was out of, it was, there was this, maybe 2016, there was this beautiful girl that I took out for two, like, daytime dates and I never made a move, and I couldn't get her back on the phone, and I finally had to go within, and I asked myself, like, what am I doing wrong? And I think I found his, I stumbled upon his YouTube days later, and then I downloaded his audio, Audible book. Like, YouTube and Audible, the, the, the two biggest research, you don't need to go to college anymore. You need to get YouTube Premium and an Audible account. <laughs> so that's what started that, and then I just started repping it. Huh? And um, you, you got to get reps in. I've read that book, the three percent. No, I've listened to it. Excuse me. I think I'm on eighteen times mm-hmm. because part of that book was like, "Hey, you need to be able to teach this." Like that's how well you need to know this material where you don't think mm-hmm, about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can just teach it. And so that's what I'm trying to apply to other aspects of my life. Reps. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, but it never stops. Like you, you always have to kind of check in. You always have to check yourself too. Like there was a moment yesterday where I was, I was unkind to the baby, mm-hmm. and I was just short with her, and um, I think I came up five or ten minutes later, and I go, "Hey, I, I felt like I was unkind, or I, I felt like I was being mean. What did you want to ask me?" And um, yeah, does that does that answer it? Yeah, uh, there's so many things I'd love to pick apart. Where you've taught me to ask better questions, and that was, I think. I read a book, I think it's called Great Leaders Ask Great Questions or Good Leaders Ask Great Great Questions, Malcolm Gladwell. I read that book, kind of revolutionized my leadership style of great leaders aren't the ones who know how to do everything. They're the ones who know how to surround themselves with people who do, like who know how to do specific things and to ask them the questions that like generates their creativity. So I think we all learn how to ask questions through various things, acting also, right, improv games, right, the yes and type of thing. But you've taught me to ask even more, to use your word, piercing questions. I I don't think I saw the value in it until I, I, I've just talked about reps and watching someone. I'll just watch you, like how you ask questions. Did that come from one of those books or did that come from witnessing how other people, yeah, where did that come from? I think when friends and influence people. Okay. And then, yeah, I got reinforced with the 3% male where it's like when you're courting someone else, do 20% of the talking, mm-hmm. allow them to do 80% of the talking. Um, it's so interesting to me. Can I, is it okay if I interject? Please, yeah. That, you know, I don't remember if it's you who said it, but the person who's asking the questions actually holds the control of the conversation. Just leading the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. That sounded very controlling. But I, in sex school, found it so fascinating that in, so in sex school, you have to learn about everything so that when you're sitting across from clients, no one ever says anything that makes your jaw drop, Mm -hmm. right? Like you need to be exposed to all of these things. And so we did a lot of deep research and study on the history and the formation of BDSM communities and kink communities and all kinds of what we would term maybe fringe behaviors. And what I was so fascinated to find was that in dom-sub types of scenarios, the submissive is the one that holds the power, Hmm. right? They're the ones that script the scene and say exactly what it will be and what they would like done. And it just reminds me of the same types of power plays and question askings, right? It would seem like the question asker who's then just going to sit there and receive the question answer is in less of a powerful position, but it's not true, right? They are there drawing forth. They are the one in control of the situation. And it's just, it's beautiful to me. Let me ask you this. What do you like about, like, when I ask you questions? We're in a committed monogamous Mm -hmm. relationship. Working on year five now. Yeah, like four. We only met in 2021, 22, 23. Yeah, it'll be four years. It feels like for in a good way, like in a good way that I've known you. Um, remember last time or the time before where we talked about what draws you most to your partner, time apart, seeing element or surprise? I think when you ask me questions, I seem interesting to you. I seem a little unknown, a little like you don't already know the answer. And we were talking about this in my Hemlock Book Club last night. Shout out. Um, that the erotic lives at the edge of the unknown. And so when I seem a little bit unknown to you, it feels special. I feel 
like there's this curiosity about me, which oddly in turn wants me, makes me want to do more that is curious to you. So I have something to come back and report because I know you're going to ask me questions. Like it just works in this beautiful way. Um, yeah, I feel, sorry. It's one of the most, it's one of my favorite things that you do. And I seem interesting. I seem valuable. I seem valuable. Yeah. And it's so interesting, honey, because you do it so well that then when I'm out in the world <laughs> having conversation with someone and they don't ask me questions, it's such a stark reality, like a, whoa, like I don't realize how much I am seen and heard at home. Like, and what it, I would say so many people live the opposite. And so thank you for that. Have you ever been in a relationship where you don't feel like you were asked or you don't, uh, what'd you say the edge of Isn't curiosity? The erotic lives at the edge of the unknown. Oh yeah. That's hot. Just saying that. It's like the best quote I've ever, I'm going to put sexy. it on a t-shirt. It's very sexy. Right? Because eroticism is not just what we do with our genitals. Eroticism, as we said last time, is the imagination. Eroticism is, oh, I wonder what will happen. As I'm getting older, the more and more I, I firmly understand that the erotic mind is actually the most powerful, like, uh, the most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, people will be like, the brain is the biggest sex organ or whatever. Yeah. Right, and we've always heard this. I agree. I, but I agree, right? Especially if you're interested in partnership, which is the premise of this podcast, and you know relationships that sustain over time. But I even think, bull, bullshit, sorry. I, I think that the reason we crave these shorter term relationships is that they are curious to us. We don't know everything about the person, which is the same exact thing. It's the mind. It's the mind. I'm going to spin the question back around to you, though. What do you enjoy when I ask questions about you? It's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seen, I'm heard, and it's kind of checking in with me. Mm. And then even though I, I, I like to say that I don't like talking about it or I don't like bragging about it or I don't like sharing, that's all bullshit. <laughs> I like all of that stuff. And then, like, baby, uh, uh, you know, unless you're pulling a prank on me, you are genuinely curious yeah. <laughs> in my the, the dumb things that I do on a daily basis. And you check in, and it's so sweet. Like, you ask me, like, how is golf? And I, and, you know, I say a lot of shitty shots and I didn't have fun or it's like mm. I had a great day at golf and, um, but you care, even though you know what I'm doing, going to the course, I'm swinging the thing, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to the store. So it's, um, it does break up. I never feel like we're in like a rut or monotony. And then what's our practice every day that we yeah. do? Yeah. So it's literally... This is flowing so nicely. Look at us. We we do a check. We do, we do a nightly check in. We'll be like, hey, what were the highlights of your day? It's so fun. It is the best. And sometimes it'll be like one. Just pick one. It's almost yeah. a challenge. Yeah. I don't think any of us follow the rules. But then what's so nice about doing that with one another too is that when we've shared a moment, but the other one forgot about it, it calls it to mind, mm. right? We did it even after the party, the fun gala on Saturday mm-hmm. night. We're each listing our highlights. And we had forgotten about things that we had experienced mm-hmm. that quickly, right? And that's just life. That's the world. Sometimes we don't savor a moment as richly as we could. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things we do. Baby, we, we turn each other on quite a bit by just asking questions. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not sexual. It's, no. it's feeling and being seen and heard. Yeah. And then it goes into laughter and play and it goes into curiosity Sometimes it goes into frustration, but it's rare. 
was <laughs> yeah, shout yeah, out. Yeah. Shout out intimacy cards. Yeah, the intimacy cards. <laughs> Shout out biggest pet but, peeve. But, but it, we learned something through that. We broke through that yes. discomfort and then we got back to like an even better place. Right? I mean, and that's what we've said. And and you've wisely said that most likely, I know you hate it when I do that. I'm sorry. You've said that we'll ex- probably experience a conflict every three months-ish. But that makes sense to me because I want us to be evolving and growing that's the other thing. We're not afraid of it either. No. I think what the questions do for me is they imply that I am growing and changing and becoming. Hmm. And I don't want to stop doing that till hmm. the day I die. Because sometimes you share like things that you're scared of. Yeah. Which we all have things that we're scared of. And one of the one of the scariest things in life is success. Right? I mean, we did a whole episode of my biggest, like, my goals for 2023, which were actually my fears, right? Um, And I'm experiencing a lot of growth right now. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's also, obviously, we can see, like, a lot of fragility as well in the, am I capable? Am I able? Mm -hmm. Is this in alignment with myself? Right? Just a lot of Mm check-ins. And I, I think it would become easy in longer term partnerships and friendships to be like, oh, well, I know how they're handling that. You've you ever been in a relationship where it's someone keeps telling you, I know what's going to happen and why would I ask you questions? I, I wish I literally didn't have a quote, but sweet, happily now gay ex-husband said to me, and I quote, why would I ask you questions? I already know everything about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was said out of an incredible place of darkness in himself. I don't think that that was intentional, but talk about a wounding sentence. Um, and then talk about what the self and the mind does is it absorbs those things. Like, oh, okay, I shouldn't expect that from anyone else. And you have flipped the fucking table on that one. Um, because what's weird is I think it spurs me, like I said before, to keep growing, right? When I'm interesting, it's like, oh, Okay. Also, okay, so uh, this has been coming up a ton for my clients. Intimacy, this concept of intimacy, not sexual intimacy, just intimacy, the desire to be known, valued, seen, heard, okay? Did you know that the majority of young people have sex, penetrative sex, any type of sex for the first time, not because they're necessarily desiring to smush their genitals together, but because they are craving intimacy, that they are in a season of life, adolescence, where it's not really comfortable to talk to mom and dad anymore. They're kind of, you know, like making enemies faster than they're making friends because we're all kind of little, I don't know, twerps at that age. And so they're craving to be known, but we don't developmentally have the tools to ask for it yet. So instead we do what we're seeing in media and other things. And so we get closeness, the intimacy that we're wanting through sex And so, so many of our formative understandings about what sex is and what it is to provide for us comes from that point of adolescence. Okay. Isn't that fascinating that we have such a desire for it? And I was thinking... Also, like a teenager's body just exploded sexually and they they want to try it and they're scared of it. It's another way of breaking through resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have... I can only like my shared experience. It sucked. Like, losing my virginity sucked. Yeah. 
And you've told me now, like in retrospect, that you feel you were too young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. I am also kind of contemplating now that if trauma research shows us that we kind of freeze developmentally at stages where we experience trauma, large or small. And if so many people seem to have kind of like a stunted sense of self-actualization, right? Like it seems almost juvenile. Is it because, I'm just curious, right? Like, is it because we stunted ourselves or were stunted in adolescence? Where do we stop growing? Yeah. Where do we get blocked? Yeah. I'm just kind of fascinated. And then how do we get unblocked mm -hmm. so we can continue growing? And that happens at a lot of different ages. Yeah, that's fascinating. Because mm -hmm. I remember For a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's just a funny... one of those reasons, probably a big one. I don't, I can't speak from personal experience. It's probably sexual trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And it's my honor. I, my, some of my clients are just bursting through sexual blocks right now. And so many of them connect to adolescence. So many of them. And we've been doing some loving, loving, loving work towards those bodies and extending grace and self-compassion and taking the cognitive skills that we have now and layering it over that experience and giving like understanding to that child, like basically a child, right? If you were 16, you're a child. Um, and that, oh, look, like this is what was developmentally normal. This is what was a result of trauma. This is be what your body was really wanting. Hugs from mom, right? Like mm -hmm. this is what you were seeking. It's so okay, right? Where could you have gotten that? Oh, nowhere. Okay, do we see? And now we're free to explore the full realm of our sexuality, the full realm of our minds and our abilities to ask questions. It's not scary anymore. Because we have ourself, right? It's just, it's so healing work. It's like the basis of this whole podcast. Healing work is so worth it. Because when we do this work internally, then we are able to focus on the outside person. Like I can say firsthand, you reading how to and win friends and influence people benefits, benefited your future wife. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like you didn't read it because of that. That was not your reason. Your reason was, I want to get my shit together. I want to do better in whatever realm. And self-help often gets a kind of an eye roll. Even still? I think so. That's like saying like online dating is not valuable. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't 15 years ago. This isn't 20 years ago. That's a weird statement to make now. Yeah. I... You should, yeah, someone should probably unblock that. Mm. Mentors are why... Who doesn't have a mentor? What do you think? Okay, so let's play devil's advocate. What does get in the way of that? What? Pretend you're blocked. Yeah. What gets in the way of seeking a mentor, hopping on YouTube, hopping on Audible? I don't need that. That's stupid. I know better. I can figure it out myself. So ego. Okay. Yeah. Let's beat back and forth. Or like Lone Ranger, maybe. Okay. I can I can get this done on my own or all yeah mm -hmm. something like that. Um, We're all guilty of that. Parental too. parental models also yeah. having parents who uh -huh. right. My mom would say prayer is cheaper than therapy. Yeah that yeah yeah that <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. 
right? Parents who didn't seek help, who had this whole like pull yourself up by the bootstraps mm-hmm. type of mentality. Well, that voice in your head where it's like people are going to think you're stupid or people are going to think you're weak or you're dumb, you know? Mm-hmm. People know you couldn't do it on your own. That's, that's all... It's silly. It's silly at this point. Yeah. And that's what you and I and best friends started kind of talking about in the basement yesterday was it's so accessible now. Mm-hmm. It used to be that therapy things were kind of for the privileged, right? For the people who had access to a therapist and this type of thing. But now you are 100%, this podcast is 100% free. Like there, there are so many podcasts out there that have revolutionized the way that I think. And they are the best in the fields who are interviewed on trauma podcasts and sex podcasts and relationship podcasts and inner child podcasts. YouTube, so accessible. Mm-hmm. Audible, so accessible. Free three-month trials. Like it's, it's phenomenal how accessible it is. And you even can keep a little bit of your ego and pride because you don't even have to like call a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what you and the best friend and I just, I don't know, riffed through for like five seconds in the basement yesterday that it used to be that help was for the privileged. That if you had resources to seek a therapist, to do these types of things, to buy a book. And now, thank goodness podcasts are like so readily available with so much life-changing content. I mean, I would say podcasts were definitely the way that I heard about most of the teachers that saved my life, saved my life. And yeah, for you, it was a free ebook or audible. Did you pay for that audible for like the, the Corey Wayne book forever? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But how much money was it? 15 bucks. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think he gives it away on his website for free. Yeah. It's just crazy how how accessible it is now. Where is it not? Where's self-actualization discouraged? Okay, so this is an outsider perspective. Okay, to, like asking to, me? Yeah, yeah, I would I I think it's Yeah, you go. Most organized religions. Mhm. Mhm. I mean, I can speak to my lived experience, which was once I started to heal, I started to lose brownie points because I was no longer dependent upon a system, right? As my wounds became clear to me, and then as I was able to go, oh my gosh, there's a self-help book to help me overcome that. And as I would do that, I was, it's like my scarlet letter that I was already being painted with Mm -hmm. got darker and darker. It's labeled navel gazing. Have you heard this term? It's in essence that looking too far inward will cause you to become more selfish and self-indulgent. Yeah. That you'll become conceited and arrogant and full of self. Yeah. Like basically... (laughs) There's this wonderful book that has this quote that suffering keeps us clinging to the cross. I am not lying. That is a verbatim quote. And so if you exist in a system like that, then there's not much motivation to heal your wounds and to experience self-actualization and higher levels, right? Spiral up. There's not, it's like kind of discouraged. Like, no, we'd like you to stay younger. Okay. Developmentally. Okay. Which is odd. And yeah, or just like pray, pray on it. 
Is that kind of the answer for everything? Seek the Lord. And I, and I, I know folks are going to disagree with me. So I always like Mm -hmm. to say like, these are opinions. This is my lived experience. That is the only thing I can stand on. And (laughs) you were in a relationship that was toxic, abusive, that your husband was struggling with, your ex-husband was struggling with his own sexual identity, but people within your church wanted you to stay in it and work it out because it's inconvenient for them and it kind of reflects poorly on their church. I wish I could be like, no, but that's exactly what I found to be true. So people, and then they kind of distance themselves from you Mm -hmm. because you were trying to get to a better place, a.k.a. out of a relationship that wasn't benefiting either one of you. Mm -mm. But according to what they wanted, you need to stay in it for the benefit of us. Appearances. Because we feel less comfortable talking about it or... Mm -hmm. hmm. I know. I mean, Faith is important. Religion is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, 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 guys, right? yeah. you guys just don't, you don't talk about your lowlights very often. <laughs> and then there's not a lot of uh, best practices. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my, that's my thing. It's like, what, where, let me see the, let me see the lowlights. Where's that on tape? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. What about in your world? Do you think that hetero cisgendered men are encouraged to pursue self-actualization in your experience yeah oh yeah interesting why well i mean that's like a surprise i grew up in i grew up in los angeles california (laughs) essentially like i didn't yeah i i I grew up in a truly like multi-ethnic multi what do you call it sexual preference that doesn't sound right multi it was lots yeah. of gays. <laughs> gays were everywhere, and um, happy, healthy ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. never, I never knew the other. Yeah, yeah. I never really, I never had an experience with like closeted Mm-mm. homophobia. Uh, sexuality. Yeah, no, this was. I just not, said that yeah. wasn't it wasn't a thing. Um, yeah. No, and I, I was raised by my mom, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I had a, I guess maybe more of a little bit more of a unique experience. Mm than most in those in that sense yeah because i thought you were gonna say like right off the bat that no it's not encouraged within i wasn't raised by my dad i wasn't raised by like an overbearing <laughs> yeah, father saying you need to okay. hide your feelings okay. or something like that and i wasn't raised in the church so no one ever really told me you need to hide your feelings i think i probably told myself mm-hmm. i was the biggest one of that but then it would just come out in anger Hiding your feelings just comes out in anger and like crying. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a good cry, like an anger cry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, emotional agility. Shout out to that book. That was really helpful for us, and we've said this before. Who's we, it written by? Susan David. Okay. Yeah, I'll put the link in um, the show notes. It's we read it when we were bi coastal uh-huh. in an interesting time of life. Maybe someday we'll talk about that sure. season. And it helped us. Learn how to express emotions in a way I had never been equipped to because she's the one who taught me the phrase, I am feeling feelings of. Mm -hmm. Instead of labeling self as angry, 
she would say to express it in this way, I am feeling feelings of anger. Mm -hmm. And it was revolutionary for me because I think, speaking, hearkening back to our conversation about organized religion, I was taught that a joyful heart is good medicine and a broken spirit dries, dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine and uh -huh. a broken spirit dries up the bones. So to have a broken spirit in any way, shape, or form was not acceptable. Is that another word for like push that shit down? Yeah. You just push it down. In put the on a darkest face. seasons, push it down, I put showed on a happy up at face. church and someone came up to me, no lie, and said, you are making me sad because your face looks so sad. Could you be a little happier, please? You look so sad, it's making me sad. Isn't there a dead guy on a crucifix? Right. We'll get off the religion. I don't want to. I, I don't either. And I, d I don't want folks' faith. And you said this before. That's important. I need to be very clear. It's important. Faith is beautiful. Mm -hmm. The human being of Jesus in historical text, beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I think church corporate could do a lot. And I can, again, I'll only speak to my lived experience. But yeah, I, I think there is a lot to be said about a parent that you had who was like, no, let's, let's talk about these things. Good, bad, or otherwise. Our parents mm -hmm. were not perfect, but... Yeah, I just, I told you, you know the story, but a friend came to town a couple months ago whom I had not connected with, male friend, in a long time. And we went out to lunch. And the entire lunch, he did not ask me a single solitary question. He just talked about himself the whole time. And I love hearing people's stories as much as the next person. But I left that lunch feeling so unseen, so unknown, so like uninteresting. And my heart, uh, yeah, I just, I, it felt yucky. It felt violating. Like you just took of my time. My clients know my, the Dr. Betty Martin three minute game teaches about non-consensual taking. And you can notice that that's happening when you realize what you're just enduring and tolerating. And it felt like that entire lunch I was just enduring and tolerating. Yeah, it was a waste of your time. Yeah, and that's how I feel when I'm in conversation with people and they don't ask questions, bring us full circle, mm -hmm. is that I think it's invaluable to check in with self and say, yeah, how many questions did I ask today? What did I learn about the people in my life today? Because most likely if we didn't ask any questions, but we remember chatting with folks, they might have been just enduring and tolerating our presence. That's a challenge. Yeah, you could do pick a day where you do 20 to 30 percent of the talking and then you ask a lot of questions. Then you actually listen. And then, yeah. I mean, it's nice also being genuinely interested in other people. Mm. For, well, yeah, like what can you learn out of this conversation? And the answer can be not much either. And then you could just listen to them. People, it brightens people's day. Mm -hmm. Like to talk about their mundane, mm -hmm. their mundane stuff. We all have mundane, boring stuff. Principles of adult education would say that we remember far more of what we say than what we hear. Okay. Okay. And so also I think your how to win friends and influence people bit is so interesting because say you're a salesperson and you ask questions of the person you're trying to pitch your product to, but they end up telling you all about themselves. They're going to remember you as a salesperson, which is hilarious because even if you just did 20% of the talking, right, you'd be like, I don't feel like I actually gave enough of a spiel it doesn't matter mm -hmm. people were going to remember you because they were talking about you yeah and you want to increase sales make friends yeah yeah just go make friends 
And that's part of being genuinely interested in other people. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean everybody. That does not mean everybody. No, 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 no. no. And, and I you don't think... have to. You don't have to be some like fucking robot, but just be interested in what other people have to say. Well, and isn't that interesting? That's kind of that like ties into some of the conversations we've had over the past weeks about when we were talking about three minute game and you were saying devil's advocate, like what if it leads you into something you didn't want to find out? Question asking sometimes does do that. It sometimes <laughs> makes us responsible to be like, well, I'm going to lessen my time with that person because <laughs> I was bored out of my mind or we're not really aligned. But actually asking questions allows you to find out that information. True. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I was thinking about our time at the gala this Saturday. We were talking about how much fun we had with our table. And that's because like we all asked questions. Mm-hmm. We've had this like whole circle experience. We all talked about how we met partners, where we are. I feel like I've learned something about everybody yeah. at the table. It was a great vibe. It was everybody was it was so everybody fun. was just vibing, kinda of hanging out together and, and sharing things about yeah. each other. Yeah. And asking questions. Feeling seen. I think everybody talked. It mm-hmm. was just it was a blast. Anyway, thank you for going down that trail with me because it's something I look at me doing again. Um, so respect and value in you, and you have you've made me a better question asker. Right back at you, honey. Like, thanks for being curious about me. Thanks. After all of these years, thank you for continuing to be curious about me and asking about the dumb stuff that I do on a daily. I basis. did it last night. Yeah. Thank you, baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you keep that spark of curiosity lit very well. Mm. So thank you. You're so welcome. You're endlessly interesting. Okay. I remember actually San Diego first date, mm-hmm. the breakfast the next morning, you were telling me something of which I did not understand at all. And I literally had this out-of-body moment where I was like, I could listen to this guy talk about anything. But babe, like what else contributed to that? The wonderful sex I had just had and the wonderful evening. No, but this is the thing. the That part of eroticism had been satisfied, had been satiated, okay? Now it was, do I like this person's brain, right? It was the next morning, completely sober, breakfast, coffee. This was, if the erotic lives at the out- edge of the unknown, a different type of stimulation. Okay. It had yes, it had to do with that. That would have like disqualified you to use our words. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been having breakfast with you if all of the rest had just gone poorly. But that had gone well, and so now it was like, is this person interesting to talk to mm-hmm. over breakfast? And the answer was yes, because I find you endlessly interesting. Thank you. So, Thanks, but it babe. took questions to find that out. So I, I do think to bring it back, it's important. I love you. Have a good Monday. Have a good Monday. Love you too, honey. The opinions expressed on this podcast are just that, opinions. We encourage you to take what you like and leave the rest. We love research and hope you do your own. We hope that our successes and failures enable you to build the partnerships you dream about. So I like to take a little minute just at the end of these podcasts to talk about the platform that we use for our podcasts called Anchor. When we were first getting into the scene of podcasting and didn't know much, but did a simple Google search um, and found that by just uploading one high-res video to Anchor's platform, it does the rest of the work for me, pushes out the audio and video to every platform podcast users use. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And I'd love to tell you more about Anchor.